Hey everybody, it's Carol Malinsky here with the Servant Leadership Institute. And we are absolutely thrilled today um, to have the opportunity to talk with um, a very special person to us. Kristen Hadid uh, came to uh, share time with the Servant Leadership Institute back in 2017, where she appeared at our uh, Servant Leadership Conference that we do. And I'll never forget that because at the time I was doing interviews and Kristen was just as sick as sick could be. <laughs> the poor thing had the flu and she was just a trooper making sure that we learned what we needed to learn that we received her message on servant leadership. And Kristen is the CEO and founder of a company called Student Made, which she'll tell you about in a little while. But I also wanted to introduce the other person in our podcast today is Olivia Pence. And Olivia Pence is part of the team at SLI. And uh, she is just a joy um, to have with us. And I think that you will appreciate um, hearing from us three ladies today in this very interesting time that we are going through. So Kristen, good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, everyone. Yeah, it's great to see you. And you're coming to us today from? I'm in Gainesville, Florida. Florida. Gainesville, Florida, which is not your home most of the time, correct? I'm correct. I mostly live in Houston, and my company is based here, so I'm here with my team. Mm, great, great. Um, and Kristen is also an author. Uh, she is the author of Permission to Screw Up, which I absolutely love that title. <laughs> this is not an audio. I can't show you the cover, but it's a wonderful cover. It's Permission to Screw Up, How I Learned to Lead by Doing Almost Everything Wrong, which is an awesome, <laughs> awesome title. And it is based on her experiences with Student Made. Kristen, can you tell us a little bit about Student Made? I would love to. So I guess we could start at the beginning. Uh, I never really thought of myself as someone who would be an entrepreneur. My grandparents were entrepreneurs and they immigrated to the US and they started a hotel and a restaurant. And so maybe, I don't know, just growing up with their example, perhaps that's where it came from, but went to college, not really sure what I wanted to do with my life, You know, lost as most college students are and thought I wanted to work on Wall Street. And then one day went to the mall. I was 19. Should not have been there because I didn't have any money, but that's <laughs> where I was. And I, I fell in love with this pair of jeans and couldn't afford them. They're $99. And I just thought, what is something I can do to make the money to buy these? And looking back, I was entrepreneurial as a kid. I always had these little businesses and projects and I had a cash register, you know, so I think just that, that entrepreneurial spirit in me kind of kicked in and I had this idea to put an ad on Craigslist to clean a house and I charged exactly the price of the jeans and it was a nightmare. I had no, I was not a professional cleaner. I mean, the woman who hired me essentially had to kick me out. I, I was there for seven hours <laughs> and she was trying to go to bed, you know, but she, she paid me and I thought that was it. And then she ended up calling me back and saying she really needed help. She taught me how to clean and uh, told all her friends about me. And so next thing you know, I'm going to class and cleaning houses 
after class and that was my day every day. The thing was though, at that time, I never thought this would be my career. I mean, if, if someone were to say, you're going to own a cleaning company, I would have cried and begged yeah. for any other destiny, you know? But the real turning point happened right before my senior year. I was 21 and I got this contract to clean hundreds of empty apartments. And I hired a team of 60 people to do the work. They were all students. And I had this really defining moment when 45 of the 60 people walked out on me a couple days into the contract. Mm -hmm. I was such a bad leader, but I didn't have the insight or the self-awareness. You know, I had never even really had a job before. And so 45 of the 60 walked out. And that was the day that I believe I became obsessed with learning how do you be how how do you become the kind of leader that people want to you know follow and 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 how do you build a company where people really want to be and how do you do that when the work that you're asking people to do is really unfun when you're cleaning toilets yeah so here we are it's been almost 13 years and student made is still alive and kicking and i <laughs> wouldn't want to be anywhere else <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. That's really great. So you kind of got your feet wet big time. So what's today? Um, what does the company look like today? Yeah, so I turned on a job after graduation, you know, decided that I was really going to go all in on this. And I quickly realized that it wasn't the cleaning that I was excited about. It was more the culture. And mm -hmm. I was learning so much as a young leader and I would read a book or I would go to a networking event and then I would think, well, what if I could teach my team what I just learned because they're going to have to learn this when they graduate. And so I started just hosting these really informal learning sessions and everyone would show up. We would get pizza and I would just tell, I would say, hey, I, I went to a networking event. This is what I learned about how to introduce yourself. I mean, it's just stuff that we all know how to do now, but you have to learn somewhere, right? And so I, I think that's where our culture really began. And today we say that we build leaders and we just so happen to clean toilets while we do that. And the learning component is a lot more formal. We have workshops that we teach. We have programs that really immerse our students in leadership development. They learn how to run and operate a business. We still clean. We clean houses and offices and all that but our primary objective is to really equip them with the skills they need to thrive in their lives and then launch them off into the world to go make their mark on it. So we employ primarily, we, we employ as young as high school students. We've got people who aren't students, but we say that everyone is a student because we're all here to learn together. Yeah, this, yeah, it kind of leads to another question I had and, and this is something that I think Olivia, you, you experience as well. You've got to have, you must have people in the organization that have a different end goal than cleaning. Absolutely. Um, God bless them, everyone. <laughs> um, they've got another dream out there. And for right now, they're cleaning houses. How, how do you keep them engaged? Well, how do you serve them? I love that you asked this question because it, it has been one of the toughest lessons for me to learn. I think for some reason, the way that we define success and leadership in business is that it's measured by who is, who is still sticking around. It's your retention rate. You know, mm -hmm. we hear the retention mm -hmm. rate, the retention rate. 
Right. And so what happened, and I think when the 45 people walked out on me, it was a little traumatic. You know, I was highly <laughs> motivated in the beginning of my business to keep the people that were working with me. And it almost turned into manipulation. I mean, if someone said they wanted to move on, I would try to convince them to stay. I would offer them a promotion. I would offer them more pay. And sometimes they would stay. And I would think of that as a success. And then I eventually learned that, no, you know, you have to be able to, I think the, the role of a leader is to help people get their wings. And then you have to also be willing to stand back when they're ready to use those wings. And sometimes they take th them out of the organization and sometimes it takes them to a different place in the organization. And it, so I, I switched my focus to what if I just invest in everyone and really help them become successful and help them identify what their dreams and their plans and their goals are. And hold them accountable to those things. And just that's it. What if I just put my energy there? And the most interesting thing happened. Once I shifted the energy there, no one wanted to leave. <laughs> and we had to, I mean, this doesn't happen all the time, but we do have to tell right. people, you need to stop cleaning toilets. You have all these dreams. It's time to go after them. But I think tangibly, a way that you could do this with your own team, for those listening, we do this exercise called the five-year exercise. And you get a blank piece of paper and you write down what your life looks like in five years as vividly as you can. Where do you live? How much money are you making? What are you doing? What's, what's happening in your life? And then we dial it back to, okay, now what are some steps you could take today to start working towards that? And we say our dreams out loud. And I mean, I've had people on my team who've been here for years saying in five years, I hope to be working somewhere else because this is the only place I've ever worked. And, and they feel safe to say that you know, and I fully support that. So what happens is when people do want to move on, we usually get so much notice. I think the last person who left, we had 365 days notice to prepare for her, you know? So it's just, I feel like we just have to make it a normal conversation and that it's yeah. okay that we all have dreams. Yeah. It's that's to me, that's the biggest thing is people are afraid a, a lot of times to say, this isn't my ultimate goal because they think that, you know, they're going to be regarded in such a way that they're going to be disposable because of that. Right. If I say it out loud, then what does that mean for my job? You know, does that mean now I'm not invested in as much or will I be let go or absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Olivia, you have other career aspirations. How do you feel about that, about the fact that you're, in other words, how do you handle that with your management? Well, I think that it's very similar to Kristen. I think that SLI does a really wonderful job of that, of helping make sure that you are still leading towards your goals and everyone is always pushing towards your personal dreams. And even if that means a weekly goal or ultimately a calendar year, regardless how long that goal lasts, I think personally for me, I've had many, many leaders in my life that have been so wonderful to give me that freedom to still be able to use what I'm learning here and transform it into what I need outside of the company. And I've been able to bring in um, questions and advice on things outside that I've said, hey, I have this issue here. Could you maybe help me? And I think that's been a really wonderful piece that a lot of people don't get to have in their lives. And so for me, I really love to hear that that's happening other places too, and not just for me, but yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it is a rare thing still, and hopefully, hopefully won't be forever. We're gonna make it so. 
I think I'm, I love that you bring this up because I think right now, at least for me, I know I'm in this deeply reflective state and I'm sure so many people are. And this whole thing kind of puts it all into perspective. You, you're reminded on you know, what really matters in life and you have a lot of time to think and really sit with yourself. And so I would imagine that there's a lot of clarity happening right now in people's minds of what they want, what's important. And I think it's a great opportunity to bring people together and say, let's talk about this. What, what have we all been thinking about? And let's say it out loud and let's support each other, you know, and I just think it's a great time to do that. Yeah, and it's, and it's okay. Yeah. And uh, we recently had a, a team member move on to another opportunity and to see uh, Art Barter, our CEO and founder, the way he handled that made such a, I think, an impression on everyone within the whole team. And they were able, we actually had his going away event on Zoom. Oh, I love it. Oh. <laughs> it was so fun. Oh. <laughs> and it gave um, people a chance to express themselves, both Art and Brian, um, in a wonderful way that I think yeah. everybody really appreciated, you know, and to, yeah. to hear Art say, you know, we're here to support you. We wish you all the best. Thank you so much for everything, you know, you did. And to have that be reciprocated by a young person saying, I was able to learn so much. You know, that makes it all worthwhile if you're the leader. Absolutely. You know? And one, one other piece to this too, is I think we celebrate the beginning. When someone mm-hmm. comes on, you know, we make it this really special welcome to the team and give them this amazing introduction. And then it's time for people to move on. And I love that you had this Zoom going away party because I think the ending is, I would say, even more important than the beginning because this person has given so much and we need to honor that and, you know, help them see the impact that they had. And I just think sometimes people give so much time to an organization, they move on. And it's like, did anyone notice, you know, walking out to my car is my last day. You know, and I I don't think we, we intend for that as leaders. I just think it's just, we always focus on the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that happens, unfortunately with that, uh, that I have seen time and time again, and coming from a, a boomer, baby boomer environment is that person that was, you know, so great. They become the person that did something that made some mistake, right? And they end up getting thrown under the bus because they were the last ones to be involved in the, in the project. And that's just a lot of times that's just so silly and such a waste of energy, but we're, we're flawed humans. So unfortunately that kind of thing does happen. Yeah. You know, for sure. Permission to screw up. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So obviously we're faced with a really strange situation right now. How is it affecting your folks, Kristen, your, your teams? Well, we were just saying before we started recording that the last couple of weeks has felt like a year, Mm. you know, it's just, and my mentor and I were talking recently and he said, he said it so beautifully. He said, this is, this time is the greatest test of leadership. And it's like everything you've worked so hard to learn over the years builds up to this moment and it's how you handle it. And it's been, it's been really hard. And I think the, the, the largest challenge for me was, do we stay open or do we close? 
Mm -hmm. You know, there's consequences for both of those things, because if we stay open, we're absolutely putting our team members at risk, our clients at risk. And if we close, we absolutely mitigate that risk. Then what do we do financially? How do we support our people financially? And so ultimately, as a team, we've decided to close and we've committed to paying our people the entire time we're closed. And this will be financially devastating for our business. I mean, it's, you know, we're applying for emergency loans. We are um, asking clients to buy gift cards in order to sustain us. And then they can redeem the gift cards after this is, mm-hmm. you know, behind us. We have been so humbled by the generosity of, of people, not even just clients, people in our community, just donating. And what was really, you know, when we decided to close, we were afraid that maybe there would be some clients who would be upset because there are people who depend on us. And one could argue we're cleaning. Our job is to sanitize. Our job is to disinfect. Why would we be closed during a time like this? Mm-hmm. And not one client questioned our choice, said that they were upset. If anything, it was thank you for making the most humane decision. And I think what's keeping me up at night now is how do we ensure that we can continue taking care of our team members, you know, and the other side of our business is training and consulting and teaching. And that has slowed for the time being because of traveling. So we're just in a weird way. I love this time because it's forcing us to pivot, to get creative, to really focus on the things that are in our control and the ideas that we've always wanted to try, but we've said, oh, next quarter, next year, or we don't have a choice. So I think moments like these can really lead to super creative ideas, ideas that could change the whole trajectory of a company, of a team. They're certainly really hard. And I I don't think there's a one size fits all approach. I think every leader, every organization has to really look within themselves and make the decisions that they feel are best for their people. I also think though, times like these show that maybe there are certain leaders and organizations that don't really walk their talk and the values that they say are so important. Where are they now? And I think it's sad when you, you realize that, you know, a company that you've supported maybe isn't treating their people the best through this or keeping their people safe. And I also understand the challenge of you got to make sure that you have the money coming in. So it's just, I just feel like it's a really, this is a really tough one for leaders everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I would just urge you to, you know, at first we made the decision to stay open and it only lasted nine hours. <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't go back to sleep. And I thought, mm, this doesn't feel right. And the next day we closed. And the reason we stayed open was because we had one of our, t- one of our students talked about a client we have who on the one hand, he's older, he's o- over 85. So we know that that's a huge risk for us to be around him right now. But on the other hand, he has dementia and he doesn't remember to take out the trash and mm. they're his life, you know, lifeline in that sense. So what do we do if we don't, if we're not open, we're, we're hurting him. And that was the reason we decided to stay open to serve critical clients for the, you know, that was our first decision. And then we decided ultimately we're, we're closing, but his daughter called and said, thank you so much for closing. We're going to make sure he's okay. You know, so it's just, it's just tough. It's tough. It kind of feels like you can't win whatever you choose, but there is a solution that, you know, I think it's just having the courage to follow what's in your heart and your gut. Yeah. Yeah. And don't lose too much sleep, hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) I'm back to normal sleep. Well, I'm sleeping like a baby now because I mean, I think what was keeping me up at night was staying open. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I definitely agree with what you said. This is definitely a very testing time in seeing what everybody 
is doing and how they're acclimating to this drastic change. And it's very interesting to see how the different communities are either coming together or falling apart. And I definitely agree, this is gonna be a very telling time. And when we come out of it, who knows what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, and I think I'm obsessed with culture. It's what I speak about, write about, think about all the time. And I just, I think this is also a test of a team's culture because now you've got a situation where the drop of a hat, now everyone's you know, working from home, you're disconnected in that sense. This is when it shows how strong your culture is and how strong the trust is. And again, there's an opportunity. If, if it's not where you, you want it to be, you can bring people together. You can, even on Zoom, you can say, let's talk about this. Let's, you know, how do we build trust? By talking about hard things, by being honest and candid and vulnerable and inviting people in to help us make decisions. And the one thing I've learned is never make the decision alone. At the end of the day, I know that, you know, even if my team feels strongly about something, I can make a different decision, which I ultimately did because as a team, we decided to stay open. And I then said, you know what, we're going to close. Mm -hmm. They were a part of the decision-making process. We had lots of discussions together. And then at the end of the day, they understood the decision to close. But if I had just made that decision without involving them, I don't know if they would have supported it, you know? So I just, Uh I think we have to allow people to help us make these decisions, to brainstorm, to, and that's, in my opinion, that's vulnerability because you're showing people that you're not sure of the right path. Yes. And it's, so it's really is, there is room for both approaches, to yes. have, you know, this collaborative decision-making, but also knowing when you need to make the command decision. So I had this realization that I know why they want to stay open. It's because they're worried about money. Mm-hmm. And so when I brought everybody together, I said, I have a question. If we were to remove money off of the table, if you knew that you would have enough money, would you want to stay open? Nobody wanted to stay open. Yeah. So, you know, I think the leader's role is to really get to the heart of what is causing the fear and how can you address that and still move forward with what you feel is the, the best thing to do to protect your people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's some, I think, some latitude in there. In other words, you may be in a situation where you don't have the money to be able yeah. to support them. Right. So what can you do? Maybe it's helping people that have never applied for unemployment, helping them to do that. Absolutely. Um, Finding alternatives somehow, maybe with um, a company, maybe you refer them to a grocery store to apply for a Mm -hmm. position temporarily. Absolutely. And, And the way that we did it, because we certainly don't have I mean, we've almost been closed for, we've been closed for over three weeks. I mean, this is, so what we, what we said is, okay, looking at what we've got, this is the lump sum. And we recognize that there are some people who really need a, a lot right now because it means not paying bills, not having food in the fridge. Right. And there are some who don't need right now. And mm-hmm. so we're going to ask you to work together to say what you need. And uh, some people said, I need zero. And some people said, this is how much I need. And at the end of the day, everyone got what they needed and we took care of one another. And that's how we've been doing it. That was inspired by, I don't know if you know, Bob Chapman, the CEO of Barry Waymiller. He is one of my favorite leaders. I've heard of him. He's a one, he's wonderful. He has a book, Everybody Matters. So good. But he has this story, the, the last recession in 2008, his board told him he needed to lay people off. And he said, I'm not doing it. He says heart counts instead of head counts. This mm-hmm. is, you know, he's, I love yeah. him. 
But so what he did is he said, okay, we, we don't want to lay anyone off. So what if we all suffered a little bit so that no one ha has to suffer a lot? And what they did is they ended up swapping um, paid time off. And I mean, they, they took care of one, everyone. I mean, the people who really needed it got what they needed. The people who didn't gave. And at the end of the day, they didn't have to lay any, a single person off. So I also think there's a huge opportunity in just being upfront and honest with our teams. What is financially possible? And then how can we work together to see if we can just take care of one another? Because usually we can. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. And the other thing that I see, and you and I spoke about this a little earlier, was, you know, we have an, an entirely different way of working going on here for the first time in ever. And they've been, people have been talking about remote work. A lot of people do work remotely but we have yet to see it in such a mass way as it's, as it's happening now. And I'm just wondering if this is the start of a new way in America um, where people do work from home and, and when our leadership sees the effect of that with regard to overhead and costs, yeah. <laughs> that may be a further incentive. But you wrote an e-booklet it is the remote working guide. Yes. Um, and it has two sections, one, how to lead your team, and then the other, how to lead yourself. Yes. As far as leading your team is concerned, let's talk a little bit about some of the things you established in order to be able to do that. Yes. Well, we've been remote as a leadership team for several years, probably four or five years. And the reason we've been remote is because in the five-year exercise that I was telling you about before, mm -hmm. the more we did that, the more I learned that there are people who really wanted to keep their jobs, but they didn't want to live in Gainesville. And I was one of them. I felt like I had outgrown this. It's very much a college town. I love it, but I wanted a bigger city. And so started to explore this idea of, well, what could it look like if we did get to live where we wanted to live and we could still be a part of this team? And that's kind of how our remote journey began. And I think what the biggest thing to consider is how do you keep the human connection, even when you're not physically in the same room? And so we do a couple of things. One is we have a weekly meeting that's always on Zoom. We, we do not allow anyone to not have their screen on. You know, I, I love when you go to a, a <laughs> meeting and like in real life at a conference room, you can't just be like, hold up a sign and say, don't look at me, you know? So first everyone's screen needs to be on. And we always start with something called personal check-ins, which is just, how are you? What's going on in your life? Everyone has a chance to share. And then we move to the agenda, the work piece of, of the meeting. We also do monthly leadership team check-ins where we just block out a whole day. And I know this sounds, I mean, whole day, but I promise it is so amazing. We talk about all things that aren't working. We talk about the obstacles that are getting in the way of our goals. If there's any underlying tension, we sometimes work on leadership development stuff. But I think what happens is when you're all separated, it can be easier to sweep things under the rug because you're not with that person every day. And then you get to this point where now all these things are building up and that's where we see, you know, it's, it's really hard to resolve conflict when you're not in the same room. So we purposely incorporate once a month, a full day to just really dive into what's not working. And it just, you know, we, we also try to be really good about when something's bothering you, just say it right then. We, we don't, certainly don't wait until that one meeting to talk about it. Uh -huh. But it just gives us that time that we know this is our time to work on us as a team. And then if, we're, if we continue to work on us, we'll be the best for our business. So I think just bringing people together is huge. I think clear expectations. 
I think you've got different types of leaders, right? You've got some who I don't care how, how your work gets done as long as it's done. Cool. And then I think you have others that are more hands-on and this is a challenge because you can't see everyone. You don't know exactly what they're doing all the time. And so it can lead you to maybe micromanage. Mm -hmm. And I just think you have to set the expectations. You know, what I say is you tell me the schedule that's going to work best with you. That's going to ensure that the work's going to get done. And I want to be on the same page about that. I mean, I have sometimes where I'll just have someone on the zoom while I'm working all day. If I want to work with someone and have that camaraderie. But yeah. I, I think home, you've got to have some flexibility to it. You know, especially if you're home with your, right now you're home with your children. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, so we don't, we're not big on everyone takes a break at this time. It's just, you do whatever you feel is best for you and your work needs to get done. Yeah. That's really a tough one. I know as a, as a former, well, it's not that I'm not a leader anymore. I am, but I, I used to have people reporting to me. And one of the toughest things for me was to set them off with an expectation and then really truly let go. Yeah. That's a huge, you know, hill for people to climb, but it's certainly possible. You got to stick to your guns, you know, you have to to be committed to creating that kind of environment. Then I think you get over it after yeah. after a while, you know, and yeah. And lead at what I think is a higher level by by doing that. Very yeah, good. and I think I think Showing meetings are so important. Yeah, and and che those checkpoints. You know, mm -hmm. could you start every morning with just a daily stand up, a twenty minute, get everyone on Zoom, and just set the direction for the day, remove any roadblocks. And I think when you're working remotely, you need more of those checkpoints, but they don't have to be long meetings. They just need to be okay. Let's realign on this. I also think communication is really important when you're working remotely. It can be very tempting to now email all kinds of things and chat instead of picking up the phone and calling someone. And you know, when we're all in the office together, if you have an issue with something, you go talk to the person, hopefully. And now it might be, you know, oh, I'll just email. And it's just when it, when it's anything that's difficult, if, it, if it's, if it's hard to write the email, that's a sign that you need to call them and just talk about it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and sometimes I think we go back and forth on email so much. And if we would have just picked up the phone, it would have been a five minute conversation yet. We've wasted 30 minutes going back and forth on email. Yeah. Well, I think we've experienced and I'm, and Olivia may have experienced this as well. You know, people emailing when they're like, right you know, a few feet away, <laughs> a few feet away from you. Yeah. And you also use a messaging app. Yes, we use Slack. We love it. We use Slack for our lead as a leadership team and also a company-wide Slack with our students. It's a really great way to boost morale and just keep the, you know, we have fun channels for our students. We have before and after where they'll take a picture of, you know, a dirty tub and then, then the, now the clean tub and they do these <laughs> contests and it's just fun, but it's also a way to quickly disperse announcements. And, you know, still though, we have the same guidelines with Slack. If, if it's something that, if, you, if it's an idea, something that you're frustrated about, something that you want to share that's hard to talk about, pick up the phone or Zoom. Mm -hmm. And then you also talk about setting up accountability systems. Yeah. So I just, I think when you empower people and you really let go, you've got to have accountability. Mm -hmm. And so I think the first step is being really clear with the expectations, not telling people what to do, but okay, here's the project. Let's have a discussion together. What do we think the goals are of this project? What, what would make this a success? And it's a conversation between you and the people who are working on this, this thing. And who's the owner? Who, who's the one that is accountable to the results? And 
how often are we going to meet and check in about this? You know, th those are the kinds of conversations I think come that come at the beginning. And then it's holding that person accountable. When you notice that the ball is being dropped or the progress is slowing, it's not that you have to come with a solution. You have to just say, hey, I'm noticing that we're lagging a bit. Tell me what's going on. Is there anything I can do to help? Can I help you remove any roadblocks? But that person is really owning that and is accountable to that. And so I just, I think sometimes we don't have those conversations in the beginning. We just assume that the person knows exactly what to do, that we're on the same page, and then we're not. And then it's really hard to hold people accountable when you don't know who the owner of the project is. You know, who's, mm -hmm. you have to make that really clear at the beginning. So I think accountability actually becomes quite simple if you're really clear at the beginning. Yeah. And I agree that I think being able to hold somebody else accountable really helps to promote holding yourself accountable as well. So in that collaboration and helping your team, you're also helping yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big believer in when people are stuck, instead of jumping in and solve, you know, solving the problem and saving the day, really empowering them to find the solution. So we have this tool we've been using called the 131. I don't know who came up with it, but whoever, if you're listening, thank you. The 131 is amazing. So the one is your challenge. What is the challenge or the obstacle that you're faced with? The three, what are the, what are three potential solutions or ideas that could help with that challenge or obstacle? And then the one is what is your recommendation? And so when people come to me with a challenge, I'll say, what's your 131? And sometimes they don't have it. So I have to go back and think about it. And sometimes I really agree with their recommendation. And sometimes I'll say something like, what if you did a hybrid of one and two? Or what if you came back with three more recommendations or three more <laughs> and another recommendation, you know? But I don't, I don't give them a soft landing because then people, what you're teaching them is that you're a critical component of the equation and they can't do it without you. And so you're building that, that dependency. But if you can start flipping it around and really empowering them to find the solution, they start to learn, I can do this. Yeah, so that's the really tough part, right? Is to continually go back to them and challenge them to say, but what do you think? You know, yes. what's what's your possible solution? Go, why don't you go walk around the building and see if you can come up with another, yeah. you know, possibility. Exactly. That takes some um, some real forethought, I think, on the part of the leader. It's hard in the moment. It's hard. It's easy to say, but in actual practice and in the moment, it is so hard to stop yourself from jumping in and saving the day. Yeah. yeah. I love that one, three, one, because I know we do uh, and, and write about having our employees come with a solution. Don't just come to me with a problem, bring right. me potential solutions, but I haven't heard it expressed in that way before the one, three, one. I really like yeah. that. If anyone knows who's listening, who came up with the one, three, one, please get in touch with me so that I can give this person credit. Cause I talk about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, of course, there's the wonderful leading yourself concept yes. as you're working remotely. And the hilarious part for me really has been trying to come up with a routine yeah. that works for me because I'm now am doing a lot more. Even before the pandemic, um, I was moving into this working remotely. And coming up with a routine has been very, I'm struggling with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, After 25 years of being at the desk every day, eight to five or, or more, you know, making that absolutely. change. Absolutely. And I think what works for others doesn't necessarily work for you. And that, that's the other piece of this is I don't think there's a, again, a one size fits all 
solution mm -hmm. for our own routines and how we work remotely, which is why I think as leaders, we have to give people the flexibility to find the routine that works for them. Some things that have worked for me is having a designated area where I work because mm -hmm. when I'm in that area, my mind just goes to, okay, this is work. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to answer emails in your bed, you know, or sitting on your couch while watching, it's just very hard because your right. brain is like, wait, is this bedtime? Is this work time? <laughs> um, this sounds so, so, so silly, but getting ready for the day, getting dressed in real clothes mm -hmm. and washing my hair and doing makeup. I mean, because mm -hmm. it feels like I'm ready for the day. If you're lounging around in your sweatpants, it's kind of, it can feel a little, you know, like you're not really all there. Nothing wrong with a sweatpant day every now and then, but I just think for me, that's been really huge. And then I love walking outside. I, I try to do things where, okay, I'm going to work really intensely for two hours and then I'm going to go outside for 30 minutes and take a walk. And then I'm going to come back and do another little block of time. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to take phone calls while I'm walking outside if I can, you know, it just, I think sometimes it helps to get out of the space. The other uh -huh. piece though is it could be so easy to work, work, work when you're working from home because there's no boundary. And so I really try to set a, okay, after this time, I'm, I'm not going to answer emails or work on things unless it's super critical and urgent. Mm -hmm. Because for me, my lifestyle, I'm in airports, I'm going to give talks. So I'm always remote and when I'm alone in hotel rooms, like I'll just keep working and I hit total burnout and I never want to get back to that place. So just putting some boundaries around your time too. Um, and then you also talk about, and this is a, this is a big one, not feeling like you have to work every second. And it kind of goes to the, yes. to the burnout issue, but that's a real tough one for, I think a lot of people. I mean, think about if you're in a work, in a work setting in an office, are you really working every second? You know, you're definitely chit-chatting, but it can, you can feel almost guilty mm -hmm. or doing anything other than working. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, I mean, I don't know if, you, if you've experienced this, but if I start doing housework, I think about, oh no, there's laundry in the dryer. I need to do that. Like I, I, I find for me, I have to have the house really clean and neat for me to be able to work. And of course I'm a cleaning person. I'm very surprised, but <laughs> you know, like I, so for one of my parts of my routine is make sure the house is clean in the morning before I start for mm -hmm. the day. So I can just focus on work and not be distracted by that stuff. And I, I don't feel guilty about cleaning in the morning because I know that it's going to help me have a better day at work. Mm -hmm. I have someone on my team who does, have you heard of Pomodoro's? Mm -mm. No. So it's this idea of you, I think it's, you work really hard for 20 minutes and then you do something else for 10 minutes and then you work for 20 minutes and you do something else for 10 minutes. And that's how you have, have the whole day. So she will do 20 minutes of intense work and she'll give herself 10 minutes to do laundry, 20 minutes. Of, and they have these timers online and it'll just go off. Like it's time to take your break and she mm. swears by it. So I think this is just, you got to find your rhythm. Yeah. That's interesting. So before we wrap up today, I really want to spend a couple of minutes talking once again about the situation that our world is in. And that is, how do you feel it's changing your leadership, Kristen? Or do you think it's changing your leadership? Yeah. I mean, I think that what this has reminded me of is the enormous responsibility I have to take care of people and to protect them. And it's not, I think before this, I thought it was all a paycheck. Mm -hmm. You know, it, my responsibility is make sure that we have paychecks and that they love their work. I mean, I, of course, we know that I'm really excited about culture, but I, I'm just talking about for basic needs, they need to have the paycheck. 
But this is teaching me that it's not just the paycheck. It's making sure that I'm there to support them in other ways. And many of our students, they don't have families who are really involved or supportive. They feel really alone. They're scared, you know, and this is showing me that it's also my responsibility as a leader to help them navigate this. And so this week we're having a team meeting where we're talking about mindset and how in a time of such uncertainty and change, do you keep your mind strong? And for me, it's just showing that the responsibility is so much larger than just a paycheck. And I'm really feeling that. And I'm really just asking myself at night, what's keeping me up at night is how can I further support? And and it's really hard when you can't be in the same room together. So it's how can you support from afar? Mm -hmm. Olivia, let me ask you, what do you feel like you're looking for in your leadership as we go through these days? I think through all of this craziness and uncertainty, I want a leader that is open and honest and will give us the good, bad, and ugly in any aspect of the things that are happening. And I think as long as everybody is working together towards the common goal of moving forward, then I think a a leader needs to have that courageous attitude to be able to stand up and lead people in this time because I know how difficult it must be and I know how difficult it is for me. So seeing the leaders in my life go through these hurdles, it is very eye-opening. So I just want to see a leader with love that wants to love and give that love in any way they can. Yeah. And I love what you said, Olivia, about how the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our job right now as leaders is not to sugarcoat. It's to acknowledge what's really happening. And yes, to help find the positives in it, but to also acknowledge the pieces that are not positive and that are scary. And I think when you have the courage to talk about that part, people feel less alone. That's when you create this feeling of we really are all in this together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think as leaders, we feel strong and I'm putting quotes around it strong as I'm saying it strong is not showing weakness everything's gonna be okay we're gonna get through it Mm -hmm. you know the glass is half full but strong also means this is really hard and it's hard for me too and here's what's going on in my head and what's on my heart and I'm just wondering am I alone or does anyone else feel this way Mm -hmm. yeah I like that a lot better. You know, we, I talk about servant leaders must have a calm, non-anxious presence. And I believe that with my whole heart. But getting yourself to that place can be pretty darn tough when, you know, you, when you're experiencing the same thing that everybody else is, is experiencing and with more to come. But you've added an element when you talk about it, you're adding an element of vulnerability. Doesn't mean that you're like, the world is coming to an end. You're still calm. You have that non-anxious presence, but you are expressing reality to the people that you're leading. Yeah. And I think that's important. Definitely. So if there are folks out there who are interested in this um, ebook that that you have, the remote working guide, how would they get it? Yes. The best place for everything is my website, kristenhadid.com. I have a blog where I write about leadership every Tuesday. You'll get something to your inbox about leadership if you subscribe to the blog. Mm -hmm. And then I have a page called resources. And on that page are all my favorite books that I've read that have really influenced 
the way that I lead, um, different assessments that have helped me understand myself as a leader. You could do these with your team. And then also this remote guide is on the resources page. And it is, when you click it, you'll see it's a pay what you want model. So all the money that we raise from the guide is going to support our students. And it's also totally okay if you put $0. I want you to have the resource. So all you do is just pay what you can, even if it's zero, and then it'll just send it straight to your inbox. Sounds great. It really has been wonderful to talk with you and to share. This is really the first time I've shared or talked with someone about this whole situation. So Uh, I thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you, Miss Olivia. Thank you guys for letting me join your conversation. Yeah, it was great. And Kristen, all the best. You know, I hope that you can just continue to um, do what you're doing and, and not have to make too many drastic changes. Thank you. And, and to everyone listening, just, you know, we're going to get through this. You're not alone in feeling scared and uncertain. And, you know, the one thing that I know is that these times when we have moments that really challenge us in these ways, we can't always see the good in them right now, but later down the road, we'll look back and we'll realize that there was so much good that did come out of this. And that a lot of what we're going through right now is preparing us for the people that we're evolving into, the organizations that we're evolving into. And, you know, we're all in this together. We're 100% going to get through it. Yeah. And, you know, new ways to serve um, are coming up all over the place. And that is definitely one way to improve the way you may be feeling is to help somebody else. So be safe be well, lead well. And like I say, it was wonderful to see you uh, once again and share some time with you. So thanks so much. Thank you. Bye everyone. Be well, folks. Thanks for joining today's podcast. If you'd like to know more about Kristen, visit kristenhadid.com. To receive her remote working guide, how to lead a team and yourself, go to kristenhadid.com resources. This resource is available with an option to pay what you can. The amounts raised will help Kristen produce more content and support student main employees as they cannot work during this health crisis. For all things SLI, we urge you to visit our website at ServantLeadershipInstitute.com. Thank you for investing your time with us, and don't forget to subscribe to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast today. SLI Podcast, signing off.